quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Believe in yourself because that's what comes through. Investors are looking for trust more than anything else. They're looking for confidence. They're looking for some track record. So if you can convey that conviction about yourself and what you do, you'll impart that conviction and you'll attract capital. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Julian Vogel. Julian is joining us from Wilbraham, Massachusetts. He is a fund manager of Colony Hills Capital. They buy value-add, off-market, garden-style, multifamily real estate east of the Mississippi. Julian's portfolio consists of over 12,000 units, 36 transactions of multifamily, totaling $1.2 billion in total capitalization. Julian, thank you so much for joining us, and how are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me, Ash. It's our pleasure. Julian, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, sure. So my background before joining Colony coming up on five years ago was in commercial mortgage and equity brokering. I was based out of Manhattan. I worked for a top 15 firm, which was called Deerwood Capital, which was purchased by Walker and Dunlop. And then I left there and had my own company doing the exact same thing before I took my wife and two kids and moved back to Western Massachusetts, where I'm sitting now. So I was able to bring that experience and that expertise to the table. And when I joined Colony five years ago, they asked me to launch a fund for them. And I said, well, I've never done that before. And they said, well, then you won't know what you can't do. And then fast forward five years, we're up to fund three. And I focus all day on raising capital, structuring debt and equity on new acquisitions solely for Colony Hills. Now, garden style multifamily, are you very specific to that niche? Yes. We've been doing that since 2008. Why? It's just time tested. It's resilient. You look at CRE in 2008, garden style, class B, multifamily, sort of middle market housing had the best average occupancy amongst all the commercial real estate types. And it's bipartisan approved. It's in constant demand. There's a constant dearth of supply of it because you can't really build middle market housing, workforce housing. You can either build affordable housing or you could build luxury housing. You can't really build that middle class housing. So it's a great space to be in. Can you define what garden style housing is? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably driving by one right now or have seen it or lived in one. It's two to three story sprawling communities, the pool in the center and a clubhouse with a fitness center and a dog parks, etc. So it's own specific egress, entrance, exit, 250 to 500 units. That's where we play. That's garden style. Each apartment has its own exterior entrance. Yeah, it could be. Sometimes you have the entrances where people walk in. Like in the Northeast, for example, you have oftentimes where you walk in and it's a stairwell. And then to your point, yes, each apartment has its own entrance or exit. Yeah. Got it. And your focus right now is on capital raising. Yes. For our fund, 
and also for deals. So our deals range in size between 25 million to, we just closed a $130 million deal end of July. So I wear two different hats constantly. What's the other hat that you wear? Two different hats of capital raising, one for the fund or one for deals. So that's the two focuses. Explain that to me. Don't all the deals go into the fund? This is where it gets a little complicated. We have a co-GP strategy fund. This is our third co-GP fund. So basically, to put it simply, we aggregate a bunch of LP and passive investors into our fund. And then we take the liquidity from that fund and we place it into the GP next to or alongside Colony Hills principals and employees on a deal by deal basis. But for each deal, we're still bringing in an institutional joint venture partner or possibly doing a syndication of some LP equity. So unlike most funds that are representing 100% of the equity in each deal, this fund only represents plus or minus 5% of the equity in each deal. So it's in kind of a nuanced strategy. That's a fund of funds model, right? Yes. Okay. And what is your involvement in those deals if you're just a minority holder? Oh, when you say you, do you mean me personally or an investor? No, no, no. Your fund is a small piece of somebody else's deal. No, not somebody else's deal. All of Colony's deals. So we're the owner operator of all of our deals and our fund invests into each of our deals alongside Colony Hills principles. Understood. So fund of funds is all internal. Internal. You're yes. You're not investing in other syndicators deals. Correct. Understood. That's okay, correct. Yeah. So as a retail investor, I can choose to invest in one of your individual deals or into the fund. Is that right? You got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting approach. What do most investors choose? Good question. It depends on their sophistication within real estate. If they have a real estate background, they're usually choosing deal by deal investments because they want to pick and choose. If they're a doctor, lawyer, tech executive, someone who just sold their business, wants to get into real estate, doesn't want the burden of owning their own real estate, or doesn't have the sophistication to do diligence on a deal by deal basis, they'll put it into the fund. Because with a the fund, they'll get diversification. They're also, by being an LP in the GP position, they get outsized returns, like our fund is targeting 20 to 25 net IRR for investors. So it's a split. It's really a split. I've been doing this for a long time and I've never seen this model. So good for you for giving investors that option. It's usually most syndicators, they either have individual syndications you can invest in, or they've completely moved to the fund model where everyone gets thrown into that. So I applaud you for giving your investors that option. Well, it's an organic happening because the first year and a half when we launched our fund, it was going to be a $150 million vanilla LP fund. And I personally sat across from endowments and insurance companies and family offices, et cetera. And at that point, Colony already had a solid track record, but no track record in fund management. So all of those big investors basically said the same thing. Hey, we love your strategy, but come back to us when you're on fund three, fund four. So after hearing that on a repeat basis, I kind of got hit in the head with a lightning bolt idea of these investors perceive us as risky. So with any risky investment, what do you have to provide? You have to provide reward, right? Profit, risk adjusted returns. 
So how do we provide more profit if we're perceived as risky? Where's the most profitable part of the deal? In the GP, right? The promote. So kind of evolved into a co-GP fund where we could offer these outsized returns, reduce our fundraise, and it was successful. So these institutions now are part of the general partnership. Those institutions, I never went back to them, but I was able to attract a lot of high net worth retail investors, uh, family offices, RIAs. Probably when we're done with fund three, get to fund four or fund five, we'll probably convert to a more typical LP fund and go back to those institutions and those endowments and say, look what we've done and you're ready to write a check. But for now, it's still the co-GP strategy, which people like. Sure. So the family offices, for example, are part of the GP structure on these deals. Yeah, within the fund, if they're investing into the fund. That's right. Okay. And what are you giving up typically? How many points of the GP? To understand your question, I'll answer. You tell me if I'm answering your question. So if the GP is required to put in 10 to 20% of the required equity, the fund is only 5% of that equity. And then as the deal goes through its ownership period and then sells, the fund gets its pro rata share, its percentage share of the cash flow, and then its pro rata share, percentage share of the upside, the promote. It's born from the underlying joint venture waterfall structure. Then once all that cash flow and promote enters the fund itself, there's a static waterfall where the fund investors get an 8% priority return that's compounded on a per annum basis. That once they get caught up on that, they get the return of capital. And then it's a 75-25 split. 75 to the fund investors, 25 to Colony Hills Capital as our carried interest. Understood. So your co-GP model benefits these investors in the back end higher. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you say 25% IRR? Yes. Net. Okay. And how are you achieving that? I love your questions. Our deals we're underwriting to are an 18 to 20 gross IRR. We bring in joint venture partners that will bring in 60 to 90% of the required equity. They're underwriting to a 14 to a 15 IRR. So if they're underwriting to a 14 to a 15 and the deal throwing off a 20, typically the GP is earning north of a 25, maybe a 25, 26, 27, depending on how the structure is forged between the GPLP. Understood. Investor capital is drying up, Julian. What are you doing to get more capital out there? To get more capital out there, we've ramped up our SEO and our marketing big time. And a lot of the institutions are sidelining themselves. They're not really participating. They're waiting for massive dislocation is what I'm hearing in the networks and the circles I run in. Retail investors, though, as far as my experience has been, are still game. They're still investing. They're still looking for opportunity. They're still looking for experienced sponsors. People still have a lot of liquidity. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, 
and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. Are you a real estate investor struggling to streamline your property management? Are you tired of juggling multiple systems to effectively manage your portfolio? Meet Rentec Direct, your ultimate solution for automating management tasks, reducing errors, and most importantly, saving you time. Rentec Direct offers an all-in-one platform for accounting, marketing, tenant screening, rent collection, and much more. And the best part? You're never alone. With U.S.-based live support and award-winning customer service, Rentec Direct is the partner you need to streamline your property management so you can focus on what's most important, growing your business and getting more deals done. If you're an investor looking to grow your portfolio, join the more than 15,000 investors and landlords who manage real estate assets totaling more than $200 billion using Rentec Direct. Just go to rentecdirect.com forward slash best ever and sign up for a free trial. Plans start at just $45 a month and you'll receive 20% off your first year just for being a best ever listener. That's R-E-N-T-E-C direct.com forward slash best ever for 20% off. Investors appetite for risk. Have you noticed a change in that at all? Yes. So the savvy investors who understand real estate they want to see at least neutral leverage, ideally positive leverage. What does that mean? I'm sure you know what that means, but for your listeners, neutral leverage means that when I buy a deal, if I can buy it at a six cap rate, a cap rate is taking the net operating income and dividing it by the purchase price. If I can buy a deal at a six cap and I can borrow from the agencies at a 6% interest rate, that means I have neutral leverage. It's a really good way to determine and judge the health of potential asset that you're going to buy and understand your cash flow. Ideally, you're buying a deal, to use the same example, at a 6.5 cap rate and you're borrowing at a 6 interest rate, right? So now you have positive leverage going in. That means you're making more yield from the deal than what you're paying to the bank or what you're paying in debt service to the lender. And then what's even better than that is if there's dormant cash flow, dormant value. So you can now take that same cash flow and bolster it to one and a half to two times over a three-year period. And that's our game. So investors want to see that we're buying deals at a cap rate that provides neutral leverage. And it took probably the last seven to eight months for sellers to come around and to recognize and remanage their expectations as far as where they can transact. April 2022, I can remember it very clearly, until probably six months ago, there was just this gaping valley between what buyers and sellers were expecting. And you can see it in the numbers, right? Transaction volume nationally has plummeted. Last time I checked was probably two months ago, right? It was 70% down from the year prior. Take my numbers with a grain of salt. So now I think sellers are becoming a little more desperate for one reason or another, and their debt's maturing or, or whatever it is. And there's really interesting deals popping up. Our pipeline just went from being zero to hero. It went from being no deals to now we have three deals we're chasing with really attractive cap rates. 
So that's a long-winded answer to your question, but that's the expectation of our investors. They want to see that we're getting discounted deals. We're getting deals that are appropriate for the interest rates that we're borrowing at. Julian, are Colony Hills deals on fixed debt today? Yes. Admittedly, 2019 to 2021, we were using bridge debt like most other people, floating rate debt. Thank God we were buying solid rate caps to manufacture a ceiling for those floating rate loans. And then also, I'm going to keep mentioning this date, since April 2022, we switched to using low leverage fixed rate agency debt. So 55 to 65% leverage on purchase fixed 10-year financing. Those rate caps expire. Are you guys sitting on deals that are coming due? No. Thankfully, we had some joint venture partners that were smarter than us, and that forced us to get four-year caps instead of two years or etc. So that has created a lot of flexibility for us. And at the time, we were kicking ourselves, like, why are we spending this extra money? Rates aren't going to go up. They were smarter than us, though. That was luck. Julian, for our best ever listeners that are in the early stages of capital raising, maybe they've raised a few million dollars. What's your advice to them? Yeah, that's a good question. My advice to them is to believe in themselves, to understand that they're offering their investors an opportunity to invest passively in deals that they don't have to manage. If they're a savvy owner operator who's raising capital and they know what they're doing, celebrate all of your achievements and show those achievements to your investors. Don't be bashful about it. Everyone's started somewhere. Market yourself heavily. I think everyone knows that. You kind of have to be on these podcasts and be doing videos and constantly touching your investors through email, marketing, etc. Believe in yourself because that's what comes through. Investors are looking for trust more than anything else. They're looking for confidence. They're looking for some track record. So if you can convey that conviction about yourself and what you do, you'll impart that conviction and you'll attract capital. And Julian, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? As a passive investor? No, as an active investor. As an active investor, top-down approach. So look for markets or sub-markets where there's strong income, strong demographics, strong industry, economy, and that those industries are resilient to downturns in the market, like tech, distribution, medical, education, things of that nature. Make sure that you're investing in a place where the population is trending upward. It's also good to invest, if you're buying existing, invest in places where it's difficult to build, because then you know there's going to be a dearth of supply in that submarket. Also invest in places that provides really solid public education, elementary schools, high schools. That usually comes with the income, right? But that's going to attract a lot of people who want to live in that market, but can't necessarily afford a house. So that's going to drive up and sustain your occupancy. Then second, it's kind of top down. Are you starting with the market? Then you're going to the deal. What are they charging for one, two, three bedroom? And what are your comps charging? What's the property next door charging? Where is there what's called lost to lease? Are they leaving money on the table? Are they charging 1500 for a two bedroom when they could be charging 1800 And in order to achieve that, you need to renovate and be reasonable and realistic with your renovation budget. Don't go crazy, but also don't undershoot your budget. And then find out operationally, where are they dropping the ball? Where are expenses out of whack? Where can you improve 
and reduce expenses. So that way when you're increasing the income and reducing the expenses, it's a really good equation. And then either refinance or sell. I love it. Julian, I feel like you had a chambered answer for best advice for passive investors. Let's throw that one out there too then. Yeah, for passive investors, a lot of people talking about guys who, or gals who don't have real estate background, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before about neutral to positive leverage. Look at what the deal's going in cap rate is and then ask what the exit cap rate is. That's like the most powerful lever in the whole model. If they're selling you a 20 IRR, but then you ask them what their exit cap rate is and it's a four and a half, it's a pie in the sky. It could happen, but it's not conservative. If their exit cap rate is five and a quarter, five and a half, something more reasonable, where they're estimating that interest rates could come down, typically when interest rates come down, cap rates follow but they're not assuming they're just gonna plummet. That's a conservative underwriting. And if it's still throwing off a solid IRR and you like the sponsorship and you like the deal in the market, then go for it. Julian, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I hope so. All right, what's the best <laughs> ever book you recently read? For me, I'm an Orthodox Jew. So in my free time, I spent a lot of time learning Torah. And there's a part of Torah that I love learning. I learned it on repeat and I find that the advice in it is always cutting edge, ethics of our fathers. It's advice from sages from thousands of years ago and it's anecdote after anecdote and it covers all of life. And every time I review it and I keep going through it, I find new nuggets. Do you read it in Hebrew or is it translated? I read it in both. So I read it in Hebrew and if I need the English, it's right there. Awesome. I want to circle back and ask you a question. You've got your SEO set up for investor portals. How often does somebody on your team speak with investors prior to investing? Oh my gosh. Maybe once or twice we've had an investor invest without speaking to us, which is wild. You make a 50 to a half a million dollar investment without talking to the group. It's wild. So we have a director of investor relations, Melissa Barber, who's also my assistant and she's amazing she tees up these calls she answers their questions she gets dozens of questions before it even gets to a zoom call and the zoom calls are amazing we used to do phone calls and the conversion rate was very low once we started doing zoom or even better in person the conversion rate just skyrocketed because like i was saying before people want trust they want to see who they're investing with they want to read the room so to speak so there's a lot of, oftentimes, one or two calls before someone invests, and I show up for all of those, whether it's a $10 million investor or a $50,000 investor. Yeah, I think that's really important. Good advice, by the way, on the Zoom instead of phone. But it's important to know that raising capital isn't autopilot, right? They have to see and talk to a face and find someone they can trust. Yep. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And back to our lightning round. Julian, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back to my family, to my wife and kids, and show up for them as best as I can. I also like to give back to my community, literally where I live, and the people in my community. And I try to figure out how I can add value to that. And then I also, I mentioned to you, I'm Orthodox Jew, so I give a minimum of 10% of my post-tax income to charity. Julian, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Our website www.colonyhillscapital.com 
Facebook.com is a perfect way to reach me. Julian, I got to thank you for your time. I wrote down a lot of good notes. You've given us some great nuggets of advice. So thank you very much for giving up part of your day to join us. My pleasure. Thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.